Well, good morning, Mountain Park. I got a question for you. Did anybody come excited about Jesus today? That's what's up. Hey, really quickly, my name is Brent. I serve as one of the pastors at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship. We're just 20 minutes away from here, and I just want to say that it is my honor this morning uh, to have the opportunity to come and share uh, God's word with you. Uh, just so you know a little bit about myself, I moved here recently. 2019 was when we moved here uh, with my wife, and at the time, we only had one child. And here's the one thing that I have learned about Arizona. Man, Arizona will make you be so committed to your faith after you have lived through a summer here. Like it's, it's just a couple of degrees right like below the temperatures of hell. Like I just, I'm sorry. So y'all, I've been living so good since I've been here. Amen. I'm so grateful though that salvation is a free gift from God. Don't want to throw anybody off. Uh, but just to tell you a little bit about myself. So my wife and I, who's here today, uh, we've been married in February. Y'all, it would be 10 years that we've been together. Amen. Uh, she actually happens to coach track and field at Arizona State University, Sprinson. Yep, come on, fork them. Every time I say that, I want to be like, go devils, and then I want to repent right after that. Like, it just doesn't quite work out. Um, but no, she coaches track and field, sprints and hurdles, an amazing woman. I don't know how a guy with a belly landed a guy like her, um, but that's just God's grace, you know. Uh, we also have two phenomenal kids. I've got a seven-year-old son. Uh, his name is Brent as well. We affectionately call him LB for little Brent. Uh, and then we have a 10-month-old daughter. Her name is Zuri. Uh, we had the pleasure of uh, dedicating her to Jesus last weekend at our church. Uh, we affectionately call her our Rona baby. If you do the math, you'll catch it on the ride home. Shelter in place was a blessing in my house. Hey, really quickly, I'm excited to be jumping into the word with you all as we continue our Christmas series. And I say we because this weekend I'm an honorary member of Mountain Park. And I know each message has a theme. Uh, this week's message is the hymn that they just sang, the carol that they just sang. Uh, what child is this? And just so you know about me, I didn't necessarily grow up in a Christian home, so I'm not necessarily familiar uh, with all the carols. However, uh, when I read that the title was What Child Is This? And I knew I had to connect this carol to the story of Mary and Joseph. I came to the conclusion that if I was in Joseph's shoes, like when you get bad news like this, all good grammar goes out the window. Like I would probably affectionately rename this song from what child is this is to who baby that is because this show ain't mine, right? <laughs> right, it's just... It's just a whole different ballgame, but we made it sound real cute this morning. Amen. Hey, with that being said, uh, before I get ready to preach, would you do me a huge favor? I just would be remiss if I didn't take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to speak through me and to speak to us. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, I give you glory, honor, and praise, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to stand to proclaim your gospel. God, would you use me for your glory? Let me say what it is that you want me to say and nothing more than that. Hide me behind the cross. Let them not see me, but let them only see you. God, soften our hearts so we can receive what it is that you want to give to us today. Give me preaching power that only comes from your Holy Spirit. And I'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said... Amen. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses uh, 18 through 25. Uh, but before we do that, I want to let you know, if I took a poll around this room, I am pretty sure that the majority of the people in this room would boldly say to me that you don't like receiving bad news. 
As a matter of fact, if I push the envelope just a little bit, I'm pretty sure that the majority of the people around this room would agree with me that not only do you not like receiving bad news, but you most certainly don't like receiving bad news when it comes accompanied with grief and embarrassment and shame. But what if I told you that attached to that bad news was the opportunity for you to be a part of something that is so much bigger than you. This is the scenario that we have here in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, you have this young stud by the name of Joseph who's engaged to this young gal by the name of Mary. Most scholars say uh, that she's roughly 15 years of age. But out of the blue, they are hit with some news, some news that is going to completely and totally rock their worlds. Let's take a look at verse number 18 and see what it says here in Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Y'all check this out. You've got this young couple named Mary and Joseph. And one thing that I know about young couples is that y'all young couples, when they are madly in love, they always have plans. They've got big plans and big dreams and big hopes and ambitions for their future. And I have no doubt that that's the same scenario with Mary and Joseph. I'm sure Mary and Joseph envisioned themselves getting married and having a whole quiver full of children. And I'm sure they envisioned themselves of growing old together and getting the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of their labor. But all of a sudden, there's some news that comes knocking on their door that is getting ready to completely and totally change their plans. Now, before I go any further, I want to give you my big idea this morning. And here's the whole premise behind the big idea. Usually, a preacher comes in and he's got three amazing points. But the truth of the matter is, unless you're taking notes, y'all never remember them three points. So, I've got one big idea that I want to share with you. And hopefully, you can meditate on it throughout the entire week. And the big idea is simply this. Respond to bad news by remembering the good news. Write this down. Respond to bad news by remembering the good news. You see, while this particular story is cute to you and I today in 2021, if we're in Mary and Joseph's shoes, y'all, this is not good news. Could you imagine being a 15-year-old girl and all of a sudden you come to find out that you are pregnant? But you're not pregnant by your fiancé. Matter of fact, you're not even pregnant by another man in town. You are pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, I done heard of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I ain't never heard of being filled with the Holy Spirit like that. (laughs) And this is the situation that Mary is having to deal with. And the truth of the matter is, is I'm sure that both Mary and Joseph have a certain level of embarrassment and shame around this whole thing. Who is honestly going to believe Mary when she walks out the house and she's got this big old belly and she's eight months pregnant and someone says congratulations and who the father is and all of a sudden she has to quote Maury Provage about Joseph and say he is not the father. (laughs) 
Y'all, they had plans. But here's what I want you to know. Remember the big idea. Respond to bad news by remembering the good news. This news that has just landed on their door, it is not good news. But bad, good news, it is bad news. But here's the good news. God has a plan that's better than their plan. And here's what I want to say to you today. Some of you who are sitting here right now have been in a situation to where you have received some news and the news is not the news you expected. Life is not going the way you want life to go. But here's what I want you to know, that God has a plan for your life that is better than the plan for your life. Could you imagine being a young 15-year-old married? And having these plans of what life is going to look like and having these dreams of what life is going to look like and all of a sudden the monkey wrench is thrown in there. Uh, last week, uh, you guys had the chance to look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 verses, I believe it was 26 through 38. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to read 26 through 38 again just for your hearing. I know you talked about it last week. Uh, Lindsay, who taught it, did an amazing job. But I think it's important that I pull this out just one more time because I want to show you how even though you and I can have our plans, the truth of the matter is, is if you lean in, God's plan is always better than your plan. Here's Mary's plan. I'm 15. Sometime next year, I'm going to get married to this guy named Joseph. Here's God's plan for Mary's life. Beginning at verse number 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and it is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Y'all, Mary had a plan, but based on this particular text, one of the things that I could see is that the plan that God had for her was so much better than the plan that she had for herself. You see, the plan that God had for her was to be the mother to the Messiah. It's to steward the one who was going to come in the world and change the world forever. That was the plan that God had for her, and even though it was not the plan that she had for herself, God's plan was still better. And the question that I have for you, if God has a plan that's better than your plan, are you willing to submit to the plan even if you don't like the plan this is the situation that Mary has to deal with and here's one of the things that I want to encourage you to do never run away from the plan of God but run towards the plan of God now if I can be transparent for a moment the preacher always wants to encourage you to run towards the plan of God because it's so awesome and it's so great but here's one of the things that I've learned about the plan of God even though the plan of God is perfect the plan of God is not always easy I thank you for saying amen. You know what? You can be my amen quarter the rest of the service. I'm back to Castle. I like it when people talk back to me. Here's the thing. Even though the plan of God is perfect, the plan of God isn't always easy. 
If Mary could step out eternity into time, y'all, I promise you that Mary would say that raising Jesus was not easy. It was not easy to birth a child by immaculate conception and have to deal with people talking about you, mocking you. It was not easy to be raising God's son knowing that his life on earth is going to be cut short because there are people who are going to talk about the things that he's saying. They're going to call him a blasphemy and they're going to call him a heretic and they're going to want to crucify him. She would say, it was not easy to sit there and to watch my son, who I gave birth to, be crucified on a bloody cross. But here's what Mary would tell you. Mary would say that even though it wasn't easy, it was worth it. And there's some of you here right now, when you go home and you leave this place, there are some complaints that you may have internally that you're not expressing externally. But I want you to know that the plan that God has for your life, even though it has caused you to be uncomfortable, even though it has caused you some pain, even though it has caused you some discomfort, I want you to know that God sees you. God knows what you're dealing with. And I want you to remember that God has a plan for your life that is better than your plan. And if you would lean into the Holy Spirit and walk the plan out and let the author of your story finish doing what he does best, you will come to discover that while it may not be easy, it will most certainly be worth it. See, that was the part where you're supposed to clap. You kind of miss it, but that's okay. So here it is, remember, respond to bad news by remembering the good news. The first piece of good news that you've got to remember is that God has a plan that is better than your plan. But here's the second piece of good news that I need you to remember. I need you to remember that God can bring purpose to your pain. Let me say it again. God can bring purpose to your pain. We go back to Matthew chapter 1, and now I want to take a few moments, and I just want to sit, and I want to talk about my boy Joseph. Y'all, Joseph is in a really tight spot. Let's look at what verse number 19 says. It says, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph, a man who's been faithful to God, Joseph, a man who's been minding his business, all of a sudden gets hit with some pretty horrific news. That this woman that he is pledged to get married and at this time when you were engaged to someone, it wasn't like how we do things now in 2021 where we get all the cute pictures that we post it for the gram and be like, ah. No. They had a legally binding agreement. He professed his love for this woman. He made it known to the world that he was going to marry this woman. And all of a sudden he comes to discover that this woman is pregnant and it ain't by him. Now he has to process this pain privately. And I'm pretty sure there are moments where Joseph is sitting there asking himself, what are people going to think of me? I'm pretty sure Joseph had moments where he sat there and thought sorrowfully of himself and felt embarrassment and disgrace. And the truth of the matter is, as you know, he didn't necessarily believe Mary's story because if he had believed Mary's story, he wouldn't even be considering walking away from her. He's got this bad news, but y'all, how I respond to bad news is I remember the good news. And the good news in Joseph's life and the good news in your life is that God could bring purpose to your pain. Let's look at the next two verses to see how God brings purpose 
uh, to Joseph's pain. In verses 20 and 21, here's what it says. It says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Let me give you the Brent Hatchet translation of what this text is really saying. Gabriel is having a conversation with Joseph and Gabriel says this, Joseph, man, I know that you are hurting and I know that you are in pain and I know that you are feeling embarrassed and I know that you don't like the situation and I know that you had a plan for your life but all of a sudden the plans are changing. But here is what I'm giving you the opportunity to do, Joseph. I need you to be the father, the surrogate father to a young baby that is going to completely and totally change the world. With this child, all kind of signs and all kind of miracles are going to take place. The deaf will be able to hear. The blind will be able to see. People who are pronounced dead will get up and have life. It's going to be the greatest revival that human history has ever seen. But not only that, he's going to pull off the greatest miracle that anybody has ever seen. You see, the truth of the matter is the religious leaders of that time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other Cs, are going to be so mad with him that they are going to beat him. They are going to mock him. They are going to spit on him. And worst of all, they are going to crucify him. He is going to die a bloody death. It is going to be gory. It is going to be nasty. But he's going to hang on that cross because he has an assignment. And the plan that he has for his life is so much greater than the plan that all of those people have for their lives. And he is going to be willing to die. But here's what I need you to know, Joseph. Even though he'll die, he won't stay dead because three days later, he's going to get up out of the grave with all power in his hands and he is going to flip the world upside down so Joseph here's what I need you to do I need you to respond to the bad news by remembering the good news <laughs> the good news is this while there may be some embarrassment while there may be some anguish while there may be some pain I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of something that is so much bigger than you I came to talk to people at Mountain Park today because I know for a fact that in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. And some of us, while we may be smiling on the outside, we are breaking down on the inside. But I want you to know that God has a bigger plan for your life, and the plan is so much bigger than you. My question is, it's despite the pain and despite the suffering and despite the discomfort, are you still willing to lean in, as my grandmother would say, and just simply say yes to Jesus? I have a friend who knows what it's like to experience pain. My friend is a pastor now of a church in Zambia. It's called Christ Life Church. It is amazing, an amazing church. They have weekly attendance just north of 1,000 with little to no resources. They're completely and totally changing that community. But here's what I need you to know about my friend. His name is Malinga Chella. Here's what I need you to know about my friend Malinga. Malinga knows what it's like to experience pain because he had to spend two years of his life in a prison for a crime he did not commit. See, my friend Malingachella, 10 years ago, was this young Bible student. And he was going to Bible college, and this man walks up to him and gives him an opportunity to go on a missions trip in Tanzania. And on this missions trip, Malinga's going to get the chance to minister to thousands of people, to be a witness, and to get as many people as possible to say yes to Jesus. 
So Malinga agrees to go with this man who was a missionary. They get in the car. They begin driving to Tanzania. They reach the border. And when they get to the border, the police begin to search the car. And y'all, the car was laced with drug paraphernalia. You see, the man who had pretended to be a missionary was actually a drug smuggler. And he just thought that if I could take a pastor with me, I could get across the border and Border Patrol won't pay attention. Well, Border Patrol pulls them over, searches the car, gets the paraphernalia, arrests everybody in the car, and throw them all in prison. Now, the man who's responsible for this, the man who was the drug smuggler, had a rap sheet that was this long, and he knew that he would never again see the light of day. So this man made an attempt to take his own life. That attempt failed. And my friend Malinga could have watched this man die. He could have watched this man suffer. But Malinga knew that God had a plan that was bigger than his plan. And Malinga decided that instead of letting this man die, I'm going to nurse this man back to health. And this man was completely and totally incapacitated, so much to the point to where this man would defecate on himself. And my friend Malinga would clean up the defecation. This man could not bathe himself or change his clothes, and my friend Malinga would bathe this man and change this man's clothes. This man could not feed himself, and they are in a prison that is overpopulated to where three grown men are sleeping on one cot, sharing it together. To where there was not enough food, and this man could not feed himself. And my friend Malinga would go, and he would stand in line, get the food, bring it back to the man, feed him, only to go back to the line and get food for himself to discover that there was no more food left. My friend Malinga would pray over this man. My friend Malinga would read scripture over this man. And my friend Malinga would nurse this man all the way back to hell for the next several weeks. But here's what I need you to know. While my friend Malinga was doing all of this, my friend Malinga was still in a severe amount of pain. Emotional pain. Mental pain. And there was a man who was in the prison who had a life sentence, whose sentence actually was changed. He was sentenced to death. But he gave his life to Jesus. And he told Jesus, if you would allow me, if you would spare my life, I will preach the gospel in this prison for the rest of my life. And this man starts to preach the gospel, and he meets my friend Malinga. And he says, Malinga, I know you don't like the situation that you're in, and I know you've had to deal with bad news, but here's what I want to tell you. If God has called you to preach the gospel, you don't have to just preach the gospel out there. While you are in here, you can preach the gospel here too. And y'all, my friend, in the course of uh, two years, somewhere between 1,500 to 2,000 men gave their lives to Jesus because God gave purpose to Malinga's pain. Watch this. This will go on for two years. The two-year mark hits, and he has no idea if he's ever going to get set free. He goes to the courthouse. He stands before the judge. And as he is standing before the judge, all of a sudden, the man who's the reason why he's behind bars walks into the courtroom. The man looks at the judge and says, Judge, I never knew this man. This man had nothing to do with what I was doing. This is a 100% innocent man. This man should be set free. And right there, my friend Malinga gets out of prison. 
Now, Malinga had all of these amazing plans, but now there's a monkey wrench in his plan, and I want you to see how God ends up restoring Malinga's story. Malinga gets out of prison. He was working on his Bible degree. Baylor University hears about his story. In Zambia, the average household makes $4,000 a year. Baylor hears about his story. They say, Malinga, we love you so much, and we know you love Jesus so much that we're going to cover the tuition for your master's degree and your doctoral degree. Not only does he go to do that, but then my friend Malinga does an internship at Cornerstone, so learns about church planting, goes back to Zambia, not only plants Christ Life Church, which has over a thousand people, he has now planted two additional churches. But not only have they done that, they have gone into the slums, and they have rescued women from prostitution, and they have rescued men, little boys who have been kicked out of the house. But most importantly, Thousands upon thousands of people have said yes to Jesus because of the fact that Malinga Chella allowed God to take his pain and turn it into purpose. And I want to speak to somebody right now who is going through some pain, who is going through a rough moment. I want you to know that if you trust in God, though he slay me, as Job would say, yet will I trust him. God will be with you. And he will make every crooked place in your story straight and there is going to come a time in your life where you'll see the joy of the Lord and the grace of the Lord and the peace of the Lord because God has a way of taking bad news and allowing you to remember the good news. I want to land the plane, but here's the ultimate good news that I want you to walk away with today because some of you are here and you're in marriages that are struggling, but you'll never tell anybody outwardly. Some of you are here who are sick and you've had doctor's report after doctor's report after doctor's report that has not been positive. Some of you financially may be in a place to where you are tight on money and you don't know how you are going to make it. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God gives you a promise of his presence. If you look at these last two verses, I'm almost done. And usually when a black preacher says he's almost done, that means he's got 20 more minutes left. I promise you, I'm almost done. Look at these last two verses. Here's what it says. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I need you to know right now, my friend, that I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how much pain you're experiencing. I need you to know that God is with you. And if God be for you, who in the world, what circumstance in the world, what trial in the world, what pain in the world, can be against you. Respond to bad news by remembering the good news. Y'all, because Emmanuel, God with us, because he is with us, I need you to know that there are some benefits that come with the presence of God. You see, what comes with the presence of God is God's peace, God's provision, God's protection, God's hope, God's joy, God's love, God's grace, 
And the list goes on and on and on. I remember hearing my grandmother say, if I had 10,000 tongues, I still wouldn't be able to tell it all. Of how good God is and what comes accompanied with the fact that he is Emmanuel, God with us. So as we get ready to close out and as we get ready to leave this place, I need you to know that you respond to bad news by remembering the good news. And the good news is this. Number one, God has a plan for your life that's better than your plan. Number two, God has a way of bringing purpose to your pain. But lastly and finally, I need you to remember that no matter how difficult it gets, God is with you. I think the reason why God sent me here today was really to pray for this church and to pray for those who are here today. In just a moment, the band is going to come out. They're going to start playing the keys that make me sound way more spiritual than I really am, but that's okay. Here's what I want to do. If you're here today and you heard this message, and you can say to yourself that, Pastor, I am in a place to where on the outside I look together, but on the inside I'm falling apart. That I can relate to this story of Mary and Joseph. That there's been news that has hit my door that I don't like and life has been difficult. If you're here today, I just simply want to pray for you. And I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to count down from three. And all I'm going to do is ask you to just simply slip your hand in the air and I'm going to pray for you. So if you're here today and you say, I can relate to Mary, I can relate to Joseph, I want God to bring purpose to my pain and I know that he has a bigger plan, I just want you to slip your hand in the air. Three, two, one, go ahead. Now, for those of you who did not have to slip your hand in the air because this isn't a call for everybody, I want you to look around at the ones who do have their hands in the air, and I want you in your chair, I want you to pray for them. And my hope is this morning is that God is going to give them the breakthrough that they have been hoping for. There was so much power when the church comes together and prays. So I don't want you to just listen to me pray, but I want this to be an active and participatory prayer. And I want you to pray for the people around you within your community who may have their hands up. Father, I give you glory, I give you honor, and I give you praise. And I thank you for every single man, every single woman, every single child that may have their hands up in the air. And God, there are people who are under the sound of my voice who have dealt with a difficult time, who have dealt with a difficult struggle, who have experienced pain. God, my prayer during this season is that you would give them hope, that you would give them joy, that you would give them peace. And my prayer is, God, is that for every single tear that they have sown in sorrow, I pray that before this year is out, that they would look up and they would begin to reap joy. But God, even if you don't move the way that we want you to move, we come together as a church and we still say thank you. Because you are a good God, you are a great God, you are a mighty God, and there is nothing too hard for you to do. Now, God, we come with faith the size of a mustard seed, believing that you are the God that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. Now, God, my prayer is this, is that you will begin to restore broken homes. Those, God, who are going through financial hardships, would you be Jehovah Jireh, their provider? Would you meet every single need? Those who cannot go to sleep at night, God, my prayer is this, is that you would begin to give them a peace that surpasses all human understanding. God, would you begin to move and to turn and to change things around in their lives? God, while they're going through a test, would you give them a testimony?
while they're going through a mess, would you allow them to have a message? God, some of us, our worlds have been rocked upside down. But God, we thank you that you are the rock of ages and that there is nobody like you. So God, with our hearts open and our hands lifted high with eager expectation, we say, God, we'll wait on you. We'll trust you. We believe that you will move in our lives like you have never moved before. Thank you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. And everybody said,